Thanks for joining us for the Changing the Industry podcast, where we try to effectuate change for the better one conversation at a time. Part of that change is providing help for those that need it. This is why we've partnered with the Institute for Automotive Business Excellence. Whether it's help with sales, operations, or just getting your numbers in order, these folks are some of the very best in the industry. And for our listeners, they'll sit down with you and go over your strengths, your weaknesses, and the opportunities that are in front of you. They'll create a customized plan for how to move forward absolutely free. That's right, free. And if your plan includes one-on-one coaching, they can also help you with that. There's no hard sales pitch, no obligation, just honest help from honest people. So if that's something that you think could benefit you, make sure you click on the link in the show notes. And now, on to the show. I don't do anything illegal. I do it by the book. By the book. By the Brett, book. I believe you. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. Uh, how about yourself? I'm doing fantastic. I hear that you're going to have a really cool kind of deal going on at Apex. And you've got Roy here. Roy, introduce yourself, brother. Hey, what's up, y'all? Thanks for having me on the show. So I'm Roy. I own a motorsports shop focusing on late model domestic cars. And uh, obviously, we use ShopMonkey. I have a background in NASA and Google, so kind of incorporating modern really? tech into these tools is where I shine and kind of shop monkey aligns with you know some of the tools and tricks I do to help the business flow. I also develop websites so kind of commingling everything and making it all work and all cool cool things. That's yeah, I find yeah. Uh, interest in that. That's yeah, really was. cool. So you can't drop a background like that and not kind of go into <laughs> a little more detail. Can I just say this, Lucas, when I was, so can I, can I deviate just slightly? And I, I sure. promise to come back to Roy's background. Because hey, hey, hang, hang on, hang on. I'm, I'm worried that you've never listened to the show because if you <laughs> listen to the show, that you know, deviate. we never stay on a topic for any period of time. Yeah. Take Fair the enough. floor, sir. Well, I was going to say, so, you know, SEMA does these educational sessions and um, I had applied to be in one because we were doing some research and finding, discovering some cool information out there. And that being said, the reason why I reached out to you, I appreciate you guys doing this and making some time for us within the uh, Facebook chat that you put together leading up to Apex and SEMA. Yeah. I made mention, hey, we're going to be doing a. Uh, a uh, uh, speaker panel and here's what the topic is and it's really about it's very technology driven how are four different types of shops making use of technology when it comes to operating their business doing the type of work that they're doing so really right when we talk about technology that can be a lot of different things as well as customer engagement and, and customer experience so um, got some thumbs up on there for that so you know, hence I reached out and said, Hey, is there any way we can talk about this? Because yeah, for sure. The fact that, you know, SEMA and Apex, uh, SEMA primarily is just so known for, well, I want to walk around. I want to look at the cars. I want to look at this. I want to look at that. And all that is well and good, but there's actually just a tremendous amount of really good educational stuff going on yeah. each and every day from Monday through Thursday. 
so I highly recommend checking that out to, to, uh, for anybody to check it out. If you go to the SEMA show.com, you're going to see a ton of information there. So yeah. I just want to kind of set the table for this conversation as to why, yeah. you know, I, I had said, Hey, is there any way we can talk about, talk about the educational stuff going on at SEMA? But now going back to Roy's background, I, uh, um, Brett. That's not yeah. how you derail a conversation. This is how you derail a conversation. <laughs> as soon as he said, hi, I'm Roy. As you said, as soon as I, uh, hi, I'm Roy, I, I was reminded of, anybody watch Rick and Morty? Yes. Yes. Yeah, he knows what I'm talking about. The Roy, a life well lived, right? There's a, there's a, a, they go to this like video game arcade thing out in space and they put this thing on and the game is you living this life of a guy named Roy. You're born and you're a little kid. You grow up. At one point, one of the characters takes Roy off the grid and everybody starts circling around. They're like, oh my, they're taking Roy off the grid. He doesn't have a social security. See, he knows. Yeah. So that's yeah, a great episode, episode by the way. It's funny. Is Roy Rat <laughs> here today? Is Roy, are you actually Roy from Rick and Morty? <laughs> are we living? He does not look like Roy country. from Rick and Morty okay. in any way, shape, or form. I mean, I guess. Oh, you don't, don't look like Roy from Rick and Morty. <laughs> <laughs> you don't sell carpet like the one, the, the one episode. No, you absolutely don't know. Not. He's not told his story yet because you interjected, David. That, the, he might he, sell carpet. He went to the carpet store and then he ended up dying. <laughs> he was pulling something from a, uh, he was on top of a ladder. He was pulling something out and the, a whole bunch of the carpet rolls fell on top of him and crushed him. That's how he died. Well, I'm glad Roy. you don't sell carpet, Roy. <laughs> <laughs> he beat cancer though. He beat cancer in the episode. Yeah. So Roy, tell us a little bit about yourself, man. You seem like you got a really crazy, interesting background. Tell us, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. So what's going on? I'm Roy. I sell carpets, and I am on the Rick and Morty show. <laughs> He's going to take it personally with us. No, no, no. Let's. Uh, um, so yeah, I'm Roy. I I joined the military straight out of high school. I did 11 years active duty Navy as a helicopter technician. Always working with my hands, building stuff, toying with cars on my spare time. Um, when I got out, I decided to pursue, hey, let's try this corporate thing. I, I got a contractor role at NASA working on uh, on heat shields, and I got to work with a lot of different teams. So, you know, engineers, aerospace engineers, and, and just kind of cross-functional collaborations, learned CAD and stuff. So, again, using my hands, learning, building things, understanding, hey, the engineering side plus our side. And then finally, I went into corporate. I was a uh, uh, Waymo, which is Google self-driving car. I was a program manager there. I led the evening shift for the vehicle technicians and integrations. And basically what they did is integrated the self-driving software onto our base vehicles and responsible for, hey, looking at the data when they're driving, what is the car doing? How is it predicting the behavior based on traffic? So a lot more that goes into that. But yeah, I managed that evening team. and. In there is kind of where I learned, you know, I've worked with, with Meta, Meta, I've worked with, you know, the VetNet there. So we had different uh, cross-functional programs where I adopted all these skills and I was like, oh, this is cool. I can apply it here or, hey, it's interesting. I learned how to do that. I took this course on my spare time. I put it in application on one of my 20% projects and then, you know, here I am. So. So what, what hold on, hold on. What's a 20% project? What's that? I was actually just going to ask that, David. That's what yeah. I want to hear more about. Oh, also, one other thing. Howie Mandel sold carpet early in the <laughs> just so you guys are aware. 
So 20% project is, uh, is uh, basically you. Lucas and I have been telling you about Parts Tech for a while now and how it gives you access to unlimited parts and tire vendors and direct integration with over 35 shop management systems. And now they've just launched a new referral program. All you have to do is open your Parts Tech account, go to My Shop, and click on the Rewards tab. There you'll find your referral URL, which you can share via email, text message, or on your social media. If your referral signs up for a new account and places five orders in the first 30 days, Parts Tech will send you a $100 gift card. That's it. Nothing else is needed. Your referrals can get you $100 just for using Parts Tech, which, by the way, is absolutely free to get started with. So if you're using Parts Tech already, start sharing that referral link. And if you haven't signed up for Parts Tech yet, what are you waiting for? Click on the link in the description or go to partstech.com forward slash podcast. That's partstech.com forward slash podcast. Hey, one more thing. If you find out that your shop management system doesn't integrate with Parts Tech, it's time to upgrade. David and I use what we believe to be the very best system on the market, shopware. With unmatched features like Parts GP Optimizer and DVX, which is their digital vehicle experience, Shopware really is way more than just a shop management software. With it, you'll be able to create an immersive and interactive experience for your client, setting you apart from everyone else using run-of-the-mill software. Are you ready to upgrade? Click the link in the show notes to get started. You work your primary role for 80% and you have 20% to work on something different. So like Monday through Thursday, you would work on your normal job. And then Friday, you would take that day to like go hang out with another team or go to another campus and just shadow and work on a project. And it, and it just kind of makes you diverse because when you're coming up from promo, they, they look for that, right? Like, can you do your job? What are you doing outside of the box that's helping the company grow and scale or whatever the case may be? So yeah, as long as you, you know, you were able to do that and my was with the veterans group the veterans network because obviously i'm a veteran and yeah so that's pretty cool that's pretty cool so um let me ask you this then what possessed you to want to start a shop i mean like it seems like you were finding success (laughs) seems like things were going really well (laughs) have you lost your mind you wanted to derail that too (laughs) Um, yeah just like you're looking up for me Yeah. Um, no, to be honest, and, you know, up until a while, I, I just didn't really know how to answer this, but I just, I wasn't being used to my full potential, if that makes sense. Like, I, I felt like when I was in the military, I have three combat tours. I lost a lot of friends, so I, I hold a lot of guilt into, even though regardless if it was my fault or not, I hold a lot of guilt. So my passion is to try to help others, regardless of what that looks like. So I always have a drive to like learn and be better and be better and be better. So I have more skills that I can, I'm able to help other people. So in this case, you know, I was, I was working hard and, and I just felt like, no, you know, you're too junior or, eh, you know, we're, we're going to pass you up this time or whatever. And it was just, I was like, man, I have so much potential. I'm out here like actually doing stuff or numbers or like killing it. And it just, just didn't, I, I basically, I didn't like to be judged by someone who's not looking at your performance, but instead, you know, just playing this like corporate game or whatever you want to call it, you know? So yeah. I was building cars on the side and when I realized, I was like, man, I'm making the same amount of money building cars that I am here. Why not do this full time? And that's what led me to entrepreneurship. Very cool. And so, Brett, how did you find him for your uh, upcoming presentation? Yeah, great question. So I, 
Roy was probably the first person that came to mind because his career as it is today kind of has two paths. He's a, he's a bit of a web developer and he's got his shop. So knowing that about him, because, um, we were actually looking for, this goes back a year ago. We were looking for, um, you know, customers that we just wanted to make sure we engaged at SEMA, um, mm-hmm. who were, who were like, okay, well, if they're there, we want to make sure we can connect with them, say hi, spend some time, get some feedback, things like that. So that's how I first became familiar with Roy. And, um, and, uh, then I just started kind of following what he had been doing for about the last year. And, and there's a, you know, you do that with all sorts of people who are doing things interesting. And quite frankly, I do that with, that's exactly what I'm doing with the other panelists that we have. And, and, um, and so when the opportunity came to say, all right, cool, let's put something together where we essentially just gather four interesting individuals, Roy was on the list. And then if, if you don't mind, I'd like to just also mention, uh, Ken Farley, who does, uh, builds overland vehicles and actually has an automotive repair shop connected to that business. Uh, Jamie Helm, who has a general auto repair shop, uh, not too far from me in, uh, in Illinois here. And, uh, then, um, we also have, uh, Philip Lindsley, who has Titan Motoring out of, uh, Tennessee. Uh, he's right outside of Nashville and he does a lot of truck accessories and, and customization and stuff like that. So we've got, you know, a couple different segments that we wanted to make sure we were touching upon. And if you break it down, thinking about the way that SEMA is laid out, you've got Central Hall, which is primarily performance. You've got West yeah. Hall, which is truck and off-road and overlanding, stuff like that. You have repair shops, guys from repair shops that are walking the halls and walking the aisles, like, they're there representing. So I want to make sure we we're touching upon kind of all of that. And uh, again, just knowing what these people are doing when I was putting together their introduction slides, I started really questioning some of my own career decisions and like looking at what they've done and accomplished. And it's like, geez, okay, well, this is, this makes me kind of <laughs> think twice about, hey, don't, about, don't feel bad. about how don't I'm feel progressing bad. personally. Oops. We, we've interviewed people. And then when we get done, David looks at me and's like, should I feel bad about myself? I kind of feel bad about <laughs> exactly. myself now. <laughs> exactly. No, I never got- feel bad. That's not true. That was a f- bold-faced bold lie right there. I never feel bad. I, I see what these people have to do to do what they're doing. Like, no. Like, that guy had to go to war. Like, I'm not going to war. You know, I'm soft and, and squishy. <laughs> like, I, I can't do that. You can do. No, he he's like hardcore and dedicated and you know yeah and kudos to well, you man you can see what he had to do to get his work done well not <laughs> only that me. but Roy also does like uh jujitsu too i think if i if i know yeah if i'm correct on that so yes he can kill you david it's it we went there <laughs> did we? Would. i'm just saying like if he had to the, look, David not, could not probably accomplish that almost. getting out of bed in the morning. Okay, we, nobody yeah, have a, to even help. It's not going to take a lot to get take me out. Trust me. <laughs> but he sounds like a good friend, as somebody you want to have around. 
Yeah, exactly. That's that's really why I asked him to be on the panel because it's like, hey, uh, yeah. I need to Vegas is sketchy, man. You don't want to be up there and <laughs> you want to have some street after 11 o'clock at night. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the weirdos were all like, out. I should have known. I should have known this is where we were going with this. Is the, the minute you saw the guy with the diaper roll out, you're like, huh, well, this is interesting. <laughs> we'll see this every day. <laughs> so, uh, so tell us what what's the pre- you know we kind of know the premise of the panel. Tell us what it is that we're going to be talking about in the panel because it's a really interesting discussion that I don't think a lot of folks recognize. And <clears throat> you know, you're you're a shop software guy, so you see this. We talk to a lot of shop owners, so we see it. You know, a shop owner gets in their own head that there's one way to do this, and this is the only way that this is going to work, and I can't use this software for any other way. And by the way, this software doesn't have the green button on the left-hand top of the screen, so therefore I can't use this software. You need to put the green button in. Our software doesn't have a green button. Well, I want a green button on the top left of the screen because otherwise it doesn't work. It's broken if you don't have that. Um, And so to hear that we've got these folks who are looking at diverse different ways of operating – is really intriguing to me. What, what's the, where's this panel going? Uh, Roy, do you mind if I, or wait, were, were you, Lucas, were you asking me or were you either one Ryan or anybody? Anybody. All right. Well, I'm going to share my thoughts then on that. Um, conversationally, we have it broken down into just four primary components, customer okay. experience setting, and then setting customer expectations shop organization and efficiencies. And so when I think about those four things, um, customer experience and Roy, you can, you can, um, speak to this more, but like that begins when someone starts trying to learn, learn about you and determining whether or not they're going to take their vehicle to you. So what does your social media look like? What sort of work are you doing? How are you leveraging that? Or how are you making use of that? That can apply to your website. That can apply to your online reputation, all those sorts of things. That can apply, quite frankly, to the way your building looks. What sort yeah. of technology are you using to, to make sure that your place makes somebody confident when they roll up? Just my point is it can really be anything. And then when we talk about expectations, I want to hear what these guys and gals have to say about how they communicate and how they build transparency with their customers. And then on the shop organization side, I'm hoping we can dive in and learn about from these four different unique approaches of um, how do they, how do they manage their day to day and how do they teach other individuals within their business to make use of technologies where, you know, we were talking about it earlier with taxes Um some people might disagree with me, but you could consider an accountant a form of technology because basically you're outsourcing though that work to somebody else and they might be applying, you know, they might be making use of different technologies to properly complete those taxes, file them, all that sort of stuff. And so when we think about things like that, I have just found that I don't want to ever hear from one individual person on a number of different variables. I want to hear from multiple people with diverse backgrounds and diverse experiences in their lives talk about that sort of stuff because I've spent my entire life in 
the automotive industry primarily and primarily candidly on the aftermarket side and manufacturing distribution and now software. And I always found the most enlightening, interesting things when I heard from people outside the industry or if I heard from a diverse group within the industry. And so that's what I'm hoping we can bring to the audience. So people walk away and go, Oh, I didn't think about that. That's pretty interesting. Um, if they can walk away with one of those, I consider it a success. Cause if you have a room of 50 people or a hundred people and they're each walking away with one new thing that they can apply, that's freaking awesome. And that's, yeah. that's what I'm hoping we can, we can do. In, you know, over and over and over again. <clears throat> We see shop owners or or really it it seems to be most common with technicians who come into the trade or come into shop ownership and they say, I'm going to reinvent the mold. I'm going to reinvent the wheel. I'm going to do something different. And, And there's so much knowledge and so much ability that's brought in with that. But there's also a, a way that business works. Right. Does that make sense? In other words, like a business has to be profitable and we have to put those things together. And so I think that especially the experience of coming to a show like this and talking to somebody or hear how somebody else does it and it's working gives you a pathway or it gives you an idea of I can take this back and maybe I can't implement this to 100 percent in my shop. But what if I get it to 80 percent? Roy, what were the motivations for you when you came into this? And you started a shop. What were the motivations for you? Did you have some key points where you said, hey, I need to reinvent the wheel or I want to I want to create a new mold. But also there's some things that I, you know, what were those key aspects, the things that you had to keep what everybody else was doing? And then you had some that you, you wanted to reinvent there. What were those things? Man, that that is an awesome question. And I'm glad that you asked that. I had a bunch. I had like a laundry list. And I really had to sit down and figure myself and say, okay, with the resources I've had, I've never been a shop owner full time. What makes the most sense that I can get going in the least time as possible, but produce the most effective results? So uh, as Brett said, I I didn't really touch on it. I do design websites and my goal is catered to business owners. and, And the goal with my website is one, the customer experience from start to finish and two, how much time can I save that business owner throughout the week, right? So for example, like my basic side probably saves you four to six hours a week. The advanced side will save you 10 to 12 hours a week. And most of the automations in there are start to finish. So for me, one of the challenges that I had that I was like, okay, maybe I'm not gonna reinvent the reel, but I'm going to do it this way because one, I have control. I know how to make the site. I know how to set up the automations. I know how to book the forms and basically, if I can get that customer to come on my website and give them everything they need to know in that front page, like, hey, about me, right? This is what we do. This is what we're a part of. Here are free resources. Here's our Google page. Because like Brett was saying earlier, your, your customers are going to be like, they're going to know about you. So they're going to follow your business, look at your reviews, what you're posting on Instagram. They're going to venture to your personal page, see what you're doing in your life and how that resonates with them. So. I took all of that and I was like, "Mm, I don't really see a solution for this. And if it is, I think it's overpriced for what we just need to get started. And how can I kind of tailor that down? So that's kind of what I did. And it's like, you know, when a customer lands on my site, they have everything there. If they need to contact me, there's a form. They literally click the button that says contact us. That goes, oh, hey, what are you looking to do? Oh, I need to work on my car. 
cool. That fills up. Hey, everyone, it's Lucas. I'm sorry to jump in, but I thought it was important to come and say this. You know, I'm often asked, why do we always talk about Kim and Brian Walker and shop marketing pros on the show? It's because we genuinely believe in their product. Why do I use them for my own marketing? In fact, they're building me a new website right now. It's not cookie cutter. I kept getting on Facebook and every shop looked the exact same. I didn't want to be that. And it's not just that. It's that they're part of your team. When you hire them to do your marketing, they get to know you. They know what you believe. They know what you say and they know why you do what you do. And they share that with your clients. That's huge. And beyond all of that, probably the most important factor in all of this is they stand behind their work. So don't wait. Go today and get your free marketing analysis from Shop Marketing Pros. They're genuinely our friends and they're genuinely here to help shop owners have a better life. Click on the link in the show notes for your free marketing analysis today. That's right. It's free. Doesn't cost you a dime. A form that happens to go into ShopMonkey automatically tells them your make and model. So I've already took off, you know, three. They say they say your customers have, what, seven to ten touch points before they even yeah. look for getting a sale. So if I've already removed three or four of those just from having everything on the site here, my social media, here's my personal Instagram, here are groups that we're in, here's some testimonials, here are our reviews. They're like, oh, these guys look legit. Everything checks out across all platforms. Oh, here's how to contact them. Oh, I need service on my car. So all that service writer has to do is re-engage with that. And I always you know, tell them, hey, lead with value. Talk to them, get to know them. What are their goals? Don't just don't just take that form and say, oh yeah, we have a package, here you go. Yeah, they're curated, but they're curated to save you time. Understand what their goals are, what they're trying to accomplish. Explain to them the process. Like, hey, we would recommend A, B, or C. A has this, but these are the pros and cons. This is the price point. B has a higher price point. These are the pros and cons. This is the reason why the price point is different. C has this. And then they'll be like, oh, let's go with option B. They end up in the middle or something, which is where you want them to end up. And then that's how we go. So I guess my biggest thing to go back to your question and kind of close the loop here is, yeah, I, I, I wanted to make sure, you know, when I was shopping for cars or getting mods done, I want to make sure that no customer had the experience that I had where it was like, wait three weeks to get the phone or you never get a phone call yeah. back or you go yeah. in for a quote, they forget about you and I get it. We're busy, but at the same time, there's tools that can help you. Even if it takes you a day or two to get back, there's tools and resources available that you can still maintain your integrity, your transparency, and not lose that while still be able to do whatever you were yeah. doing that would take up your time. Absolutely. And, and you know, you bring up a good point because one of the things that I've always tried to do with my business is I want to make sure that we're responding as quickly as possible. And, and the reality is, is when you have 50, 60 clients coming at you at once and you've got all these people who want information at some point, especially if you're a, if you're a two or three man operation, you've got to start saying, okay, I've got to prioritize this. Somebody's going to get left out. I can't answer everybody. I can't be there for everybody. Tell us a little bit about your shop, Roy. I'm really curious. You know, how many bays have you got? How many people you got working for you? Yeah. So I'm actually a, a very small shop. This is our second year in business full time. It's me and one tech. I have two two posts, a four post and a dyno. So let's say nice. what, three bays and one dyno and then like just an open area for put cars in there or quick looks or whatever. And honestly my lead does everything he you know he's a strong like oem small shop guy but i've you know over the years we've we've i've showed him everything i knew on performance so now he's showing me everything but yeah and it's like we'll get you know two three hundred messages emails a day and 
I use, you know, I have tools in place where that gets filtered. And I was like, hey, this customer, this is their name. This is their vehicle. This is what they're looking to get done. So, you know, two to three hours of my day is spent literally just going line item, responding to them. And I can't get to all of them. I might get to 50 in two to three hours, but they're still there. And I can come back and say, hey, look, sorry, I was busy. We we're installing a transmission, but I did get your message. Give me a couple of days to get back to you. You know, and, and some of that stuff is automated depending on what they're looking for. So, yeah, that's that's kind of what I do because I'm small. And then I obviously I record everything that way when someone else comes in, it's in an onboarding playbook. They could be like, here, this is step one. This is step two. Here's an example. This is how you should treat it, blah, blah, blah. And then I would just simply so basically the ramp time is less. So that's just kind of one. I, I know at the seminar, I'll, I'll have a bunch more questions and, and I'll have my stuff there where I can show people live. But yeah, how can you how can you automate? How can you delegate? How can you prioritize and, and, and just keep everything neat and organized so you can really focus on the bread and butter? Like, do I want to go lift the F-250 diesel when I know that I don't have the probably not? No. Hey, let me send you to this shop. It's a good friend of mine. They take care of you. Cool. He's taken care of. I can focus on the next car that I can. OK, these cars I service. Yeah. Let's get to them first. Then let's get to these guys. So it's it's super. Once you get the hang of it, it's it's pretty. It works. I, I agree. And, and you know, in a lot of ways, that's that's kind of where I started and, and how my shop came up from the ground up. Brett, you know, when you hear that, man, you, you deal with you deal with shop owner clients all the time. Are, are we seeing a shift? Because for the longest time, it felt like we had a lot of folks who would not engage and would not, you know, dig into the technology and use it to its fullest. I remember years ago, I was using All Data Manage, and I was talking to one of their reps, and, and he was asking how things were going with the product. And he said, it's really interesting. You're using a lot of stuff in this product that most people don't even know is there. Like they don't even explore and look for other stuff or see how it works or see what it does. He said, most shops only use maybe 10% of this product's capability. And I thought, you know, that's really interesting because now here we are all these years later um, and, and I'm watching that and I'm seeing how they're not using the products that they have right in front of them that would make life easier. And it, it, they're already paying for them. Right? Are you still seeing that? Do you think that's a problem that we face with some of these shops or is it getting better? It will always be a problem because I think it's a human thing. Um, yeah. It's very human to settle into that ass groove of comfort and uh, and just kind of keep going forward with, with, with what you know. Yeah. And when... And I'm going to speak for myself here because by nature, I'm a lazy person and I constantly have to work hard to try new things and push myself yeah. out of that comfort zone or out of my lane. And it is, you know, a lot of things happen. You either feel like you're missing the boat uh, when you discover something new and that can be exciting or it can be slightly depressing. And you have to think about that because everybody's a little bit different. And so what I th where I'm going with this is I think it's so important to then present material, content, um, inspiration, all that stuff in a variety of different ways because people will respond in different ways to that sort of stuff. And so that's why I do think that panel discussions are important. I think the posts, Lucas, that you put up every, you know, what's your weekly win 
tell me about yeah. it, stuff like that. Yeah. And people might not want to raise their hand necessarily right away, but after yeah. seeing that for a while and seeing other people kind of um, clear the path for them, then they might be more comfortable raising their hand or asking a question and starting down that journey where they move away from 10% of what they're comfortable in doing and making use of, you know, other, other tools, equipment, uh, approaches to management yeah. or approaches to, you know, their, their overall organization or efficiency and stuff like that. So, uh, going back to your initial question, it is a problem. It will always be a problem. And it's up to, um, I, I would say it's, it's up to the companies to really get people engaging in the product offering because it's a two way street. It's, they're going to be able to help their users, but that feedback is also going to help them continue product development. So I think that's really important. But I also think it's, it's another reason why I'm a believer in these sorts of events, whether it's training that occurs at ASTE or Vision or SEMA or Apex. Um, and it's also why people need to be going to that stuff and checking it out. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely, it's critical. And I would say if you have the time, go to a, if you can pick four things to go see and do, do, do two or three that you know are going to work for you and that you're looking for, and then find something that's totally random and expose yeah, yourself to it. Absolutely. And be like, oh, I, and worst case scenario, you're, you know, you get to sit down for an hour at a trade show. Okay. Big deal. But you might be able to walk away from something that you were not looking for with a completely new perspective and yeah. a bunch of ideas that you can then take back. And, and again, like I said before, if you can walk away from, uh, uh, an educational seminar, panel, discussion, whatever it is, with one new thing that you can try out, that is awesome. That's that's one of the ways to get things changing and moving in the right direction, whether you're a big company or a small shop or a one-person, you know, show. For sure. For sure. And, you know, I'm going to tell you something. I see, I see a large majority of people that they never come to a trade show or they never come to a training and and it turns into a pain point that forces them to go i don't have enough money i don't have any techs there's this thing happening in my life and it sucks and so what do they do they get out and they start getting into the facebook groups or they search this problem and then they find out about aste or apex or you know we're going to tools this week whatever it mm -hmm. may be they find out about this training and then they go and they realized that there was this huge pile of uh, unconscious incompetence, right? Like they just didn't realize they didn't know that. And so now they get hungry. And so it is, you know, it, because the, the knowledge is there. The knowledge is attainable, but you have to reach out for the knowledge. If you just go at it and say, look, you know, it, it'll be what it'll be and life sucks and life's terrible and the shop sucks and I hate being here. Sorry, David. Um, and, you know, sooner or later, right, like if you just keep living in that life, it's just going to get worse. And so eventually they kind of hit this rock bottom and then they realize and they get hungry for the knowledge. And that's one of the reasons we're always trying to tell people like, hey, you need to be at a training event. You need to be at one of these trade shows. You need to be where the knowledge is. 
so you can begin to pull from it and and don't wait until you hit rock bottom. Now, look, they've been telling addicts that for years and it makes no difference. And I'm, I'm telling you, shop owners are pretty close on the on the spectrum as crackheads um, because we must be if we're doing this for a living. Right. Like, you know, at some point you got to say, well, you know, I guess we're all going to hit rock bottom before we go out and look for that information. But, man, it's out there. There's well, no reason I, to suffer. There's no reason to struggle for it. No, there there isn't. And I, there's one other thing that I think is worth adding on to this, and that is from a networking perspective. It's it's a word that gets thrown around a lot. And over time, my view of that has really changed. And no. and I, I now looking back and, and just applying what I've learned over the last 22, three years of my career, there are two things that I that I that I do, and it, it, number one, it's redefining what your win is. Yeah. Okay. It doesn't necessarily have to be coming back with new business. All right. Yeah. If it does, you know, if if networking leads to that, fantastic. But I think it's a mistake to have that be your one and only win when it comes to networking. Yeah. Make define that win as just achieving one new genuine connection do that first and if you go to one of these training things then go introduce yourself to a panel speaker absolutely go you know that's something that i would do uh and again it can be a panel speaker it can be an individual speaker whatever or introduce yourself to the person next to you ask them why they're there you know and you might learn something so do that dude. sort of networking and then do that every opportunity you get and just keep pushing yourself a little bit more. Even if you're introverted, um, it, it's, it's worth it. And you're going, as soon as you get done with that show and you're on the plane or you're in the car and you're driving back, that's going to be one of the highlights that you have. I guarantee it because yeah. It's, it's, you're always going to feel good. And quite frankly, you're going to get something out of it. Uh, even if it's just something small, but it's going to, it's going to be meaningful and it's going to be applicable in one way or another short term or long term. Yeah, for sure. And, and look, I'm going to tell you, dude, um, just this last, I guess it was two weeks ago, one of the, one of the attendees, great listener of ours. Um, and I had to push really hard. To get them to come to ASTE. I mean, mm-hmm. like, had to push hard. And he says, look, I am completely uncomfortable doing this. I don't like being in crowds. I don't like being around these people. And I kept pushing. I said, dude, I said, you just have to, you know, right through the middle of the fire, right? Like, that's how you make these things better. That's how you eventually get over some of this stuff and and begin to work on some of it. And, um, and man, he came up before he left and he shook my hand. He said, I am so glad you made me do this. Right. And, and it's sometimes it's getting outside that comfort zone and you're exactly right. If you go out and you talk to somebody and you reach out and you network with those people, just the random people, right? You never know who you're talking to. When we're we're talking about Apex and SEMA, you don't know who it is that you're talking to or shaking hands with. And you can meet some really amazing, really powerful, really smart, really capable people that if you'll just reach your hand out, they are just as kind as anything. Reach your hand out and talk to them, shake hands with them and say, Hey, tell me a little bit about yourself. Right. And you will change your life and you might change their life. 
right? Yeah. But if, if you hold that that networking to a group of people that only you know, buddy, that group never expands, right? Like it never gets any better. So you definitely have to do that. Roy, what are you most excited about? Are you going to go to Apex and SEMA, just SEMA? I'm, I'm going to go to both. I'll probably spend most of my time at SEMA, but I, I do like to look at Apex and see, hey, what's the latest software? What, what, what's coming up? What's, you know, support supporting the industry, basically. So, yeah, I'll be at both. Very cool. Very cool. Well, we'll be where we're always at recording, um, unless we're eating. <laughs> That's the problem with Las Vegas. David likes to eat. And so we end up in like every There's restaurant. There's so many good spots, though. There are. And he's like, hey, listen, by the way, I know we're not in our recording booth. We're eating. Um, we just need to put a sign up, gone to eat on the booth, you know. Um, but hey, where, are we, is, where is your recording booth going to be? So like when you go up the escalators. Yeah. You know where the stage is at right there for Apex on the second floor? If you look right to the right of the escalators. Like, in other words, our booth is facing the escalators. We're up against That's the awesome. windows, and we look straight at the escalators, unless they've moved it, but I don't think they have. So, That's very cool. That's very cool. Yep. Absolutely. Guys, I can't wait to see you all there, and uh, I can't wait to experience this panel and see it firsthand. Well, when is the panel? Yeah, we need to know that. Absolutely. Yeah. So the panel is Monday, October 30th from 1 to 2 p.m. in room N. As in uh, November 257. So uh, if you are familiar with SEMA's layout, so this is going to be at the um, Las Vegas Convention Center in the main area outside of Central Hall where North Hall and Central Hall kind of come together. There's um, uh, there's a big food court there and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. There are some escalators that go up and then there is a skywalk over to West Hall. It okay. is as you approach that skywalk up on that second level. So you can't miss it once you get up there and there will be signage everywhere. But yeah, it's, it's Monday, October 30th from one to 2 PM. Um, Lucas, I hope you don't mind. Roy is going to be there with obviously tons of knowledge to share. For sure. Uh, Jamie Helm, who is a master mechanic, she and her and her sister run a shop and they're doing, they're just killing it. Um, Philip Lindsley from Titan Motoring. He's got a really great perspective. And of course, Ken Farley, who's done a ton of SEMA builds um, and is really getting big in the overlanding scene. Um, so just four people who have tons of knowledge to share. And I think everyone's going to be able to at least walk away with one thing that they can that they can apply. Awesome. Awesome. Can't wait to see you guys there. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right. Thank see you guys. Thank you for listening to the Changing the Industry podcast. If you enjoyed the show, do us a favor and leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. And don't forget to set it to automatically download the latest episode. Our efforts with this podcast, the YouTube channel, and the Facebook group wouldn't be possible without the support of our awesome sponsors. So please take a moment, check them out by clicking on the links in the show notes.